0: It has been another heavy week. A heavy week in the whole world. And I struggle this morning to find words to say to make the violence we are experiencing disappear for just a bit. I struggle to understand how we, the home of the free, live in a land where an 18 year old boy can purchase a semi-automatic assault weapon and masses amounts of ammunition without someone recognizing the severity of the problem. I struggle to understand how there have been a total of 213 mass shootings in 149 days of 2020, 213 mass shootings. In Lexington alone of the 17 homicides reported, 13 of them have been committed by gunshot wounds. Mass shootings are an American problem and a problem of the heart. No other country experiences the number of mass killings that have been reported right here in the USA. Now I understand that we have the right to bear arms. I understand that's one of our liberties. I understand that it is part of our history. And I'm not opposed to people who have gun collections. I grew up in a house and where my dad collected guns and my grandfathers collected guns. And they were hunters. And they held a sacredness to their guns, not just for hunting, but they taught us not to touch. They taught us about being safe with firearms. But for every one of us in this church today and in your homes, we have to understand that laws that continue to allow weapons of such lethal power to be legally purchased by an 18-year-old young man, well, I think they're simply wrong. They don't embody our theological teaching of loving our neighbor. And how can we argue that they do when teachers and students sent defenseless in a schoolroom or our neighbor simply stops at a random grocery store on Saturday and their lives are ended leaving trauma and pain that many people will never, ever be able to work through. And we sit here. 500 Don Anna Drive, and we cry. How long, oh God, how long until this madness stops? Haven't we all been shook this week? And we've all prayed for comfort for these families. But I'm here to say that prayer is not simply enough anymore. To change requires sacrifice. And it requires a willingness to risk being seen as a radical or edgy, or maybe a little crazy. Who is our neighbor, I ask you? Who? Who is our neighbor? According to the Brady Report, which lists contributions given to senators from the NRA, the majority of Americans support stronger gun laws, it says. Laws are proven to reduce death. But in 2019, the NRA spent $3.22 million to benefit the political ca- campaigns of senators who oppose gun safety legislation. That's a lot of money. That could have fed a lot of people. But yet there are senators who refuse to support common sense gun reform, like expanding Brady background checks and banning assault weapons. I'm gonna call out two senators just because one is in our home state and one in the state where the where the killings occurred. Kentucky's very own Mitch McConnell received more than $1.2 million in direct donations, independent expenditures, and other patronages from the NRA. Meanwhile, approximately 770 people are killed by gun violence in our state every year. 770 trips to the graveyard. the person, the senator from Texas, Ted Cruz, receives approximately $176,000 per year in the state where the mass shooting occurred. There, 3,647 people are killed per year by gun violence. Now, that's a lot of people. This may seem political today, but sometimes people of faith have to go there. We have to go to places that make us feel uncomfortable. And writing this, I felt pretty uncomfortable. You see, our votes matter. Our participation in systemic sin has to be called out to make it stand out. Cause you know why? It is going to take every last one of us, not only in here, but in the United States to get together to make a difference and work together because it takes a whole lot more than prayer to make a change. According to a a listing from HuffPost, Ted Cruz spoke at the NRA convention in Houston on Friday, three days after a gunman killed 19 elementary students and two teachers and one young man who obviously had problems to argue that guns were not to blame for the latest mass shooting. Quote, it's a lot easier to moralize about guns and to shriek about those you disagree with politically. But it's never about guns, Cruz said. After listing some possible other culprits such as broken families, absent fathers, declining church attendance, social media bullying, violent online content, Chronic isolation, prescription drug, and opioid use. I beg to differ with Senator Cruz. An AR 15 purchased by a young 18 year old, undeveloped mind, who may have been influenced by all those things that he listed because, yeah, all of that exists in the world, is exactly what turned an ordinary end of school awards day into the most gruesome, hellish day of that town's life. If guns had been regulated, if semi-automatic weapons had not been sold to the hands of an 18-year-old, that day there in Texas would have been a lot different. Every last one of those children in that fourth grade would have heard that last bell ring and would have run out of that school singing and laughing and celebrating the fact that their school was out for the summer. It is about gun law. And it is about how we vote and who we vote for. So if this is political today, I dare to differ. I dare to differ with you. This is about our hearts being in a place to see our neighbors, love our neighbors, and about electing officials who will not be bought off by gun clubs and gun manufacturers. Lord have mercy indeed. And yet, and yet, these same people who block gun laws continue to be elected year after year, after year after year. And I don't understand it. And maybe I can't. But here we are. Once again saying our prayers are with you. Pray for the people of Uvalde. Well, it's past time. I'm sorry. It's past time that we people of faith should become angry enough to campaign and vote for those who care about the education of our children and the living of humans more than the money that lines pockets. I'm sorry. Who I ask you is our neighbor? Who is our neighbor? The story of the Good Samaritan calls us out. Every last one of us in the room, it calls us out. All of us have been headed somewhere when we have passed by someone on the streets who was injured, either physically or mentally, or someone who's been pushed down or rejected by society or fallen through the cracks who have come to believe that they're unlovable and unworthy of anything better for themselves than what they already have. Now, I'm not saying that loving somebody is like a prosperity uh, gospel, because I don't believe in that. But loving somebody, here's what happens. When we look into someone's eyes, and we gaze deep, and we allow them to be seen, and we allow ourselves to see the commonality of the divine spark in them, and they see it in us. Well, love changes things. Something spiritual happens and people begin to start to change, even if it's just for a little bit. I've seen it happen. In places I never expected it to happen. Now, I'm kind of naive sometimes, but not today. I'm not too uh, naive and gullible to believe that all it takes to cure this world is a little love and a little peace. It's about being willing to fight for the rights of all people. It's about reaching across boundaries that make us feel uncomfortable. And I like to be comfortable, don't you? But God calls us to something else. It's about taking a hand and saying, come on, I know a place. I know this place where you can heal. I know this place where you can grow. Lean on into the embrace of the divine kind. You see, folks, every little thing we do teaches the world about our faith. Everything we do teaches something about our encounter with Jesus. And now I triple dog dare you to think about that question every day. Are they seeing Jesus in me? What am I showing them about my faith? What am I showing them about God? The story of our faith reaches and teaches us today to slow down. The priest and the Levite were heading to work in the temple. They had no time to get dirty or be late. They had business to take care of. How many times are we too busy to stop? Or we're too skeptical to reach out. Or too fearful to look silly or radical or scared of being rejected. To simply look at someone and say, can I help you? The religious folks, well, they saw and they didn't act. And truth is, we see and we don't always act. We see pain and suffering and hungry everywhere we walk. But we glaze over, walk around, cross to the other side of the road. Because, well, truthfully, sometimes that's the easiest and most comfortable thing to do. I think we've all been guilty of it. The day we heard of the shooting, Lori sent me a text and said, hey, could we meet at the church And those of us who are struggling, could we walk the labyrinth and pray together? And so we did. About seven of us gathered here on Wednesday night. We read some scripture and we prayed, and we walked to the labyrinth. At the labyrinth, we all walked our own pace and prayed as we felt called. This walking path meant to help people pray represents our human journey to be in relationship with the divine. You see, the center represents God. And then once you're there, once you spend a little time with God, you go back into the world, hopefully changed by your experience. We did not speak while we were on the labyrinth. I have no idea what was going on in the minds of my other brothers and sisters, but as I walked, I prayed. And as I prayed, I began to notice weeds growing around the paving stones. And before I knew what I was doing, I was pulling them and carrying them with me on my journey. Those weeds made me think about how people fall to the side. It made me wonder about that young boy who bought the gun and what his life may have been like. There's a lot of folk who find themselves just in the wrong place, the wrong time. And they search for things that they think is going to give them peace. But they often find it doesn't. So my prayer that day was simply help me see God, help me see. Help me see the hurting, the neglected, those who fall through the cracks of society. Open my heart, open my hands. Oh God, help me be the change. Now, that night when I left, you know what? I felt lighter. Not because praying made that mass devastation any less horrific, but I felt better. I think I felt better because I walked and talked and prayed with friends who were on the path. And we were together, carrying the load together. And somehow it became a little bit lighter, didn't it, Barry? Who, who, I ask you, is our neighbor? Every person we see is our neighbor. They are the person who cuts us off in the car when we drive. They are the man in the, with the walker trying to get to his car at the grocery store. They're the kid who lives next door who's begging to be noticed. They're the people who stop to chat. They're the person who walks by our church out here on the sidewalk. There are an array of people with skin tones very like the rainbow. They are people whose gender is different than our own. They are people who are gay, and straight, and trans, and bi, and asexual, and everything in between. They are Democrat, and they are Republican. Yes, they are even Ted and Mitch. They're our neighbor. Every one of them is our neighbor. And they're everywhere we look. So let's fight like hell to make a world better and a safer place for all humans by advocating and calling our government officials and bombarding their offices with letters. And then let's work to elect those who embody the principle of loving neighbor. Most of all, wherever we go, whatever we do, whatever we do, May we love our neighbor with God's love because you know what? That's the only thing I know that changed anything in this world. May we all allow God to work through us always. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Bluegrass United Church of Christ podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 500 Don Anna Drive in Lexington, Kentucky. You can find us online at bluegrasschurch.org.